0: Greetings,
1: everyone, and welcome to the 51st edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by Disney's number one Hazer, Jaden. G'day. As well as John Cena, a.k.a. The Peacemaker, a.k.a. Fitzy, a.k.a. Liam. Hello. Hello, hello. For those of you who don't know, this is Cinema Effect. It's a podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. Find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. All the real professional places podcasts are found because that's exactly what we are. Subscribe and all those things. Follow the Instagram page. And yeah, just, I don't know, just support us. Like there's all the links are in the description. Just click them, you know? Just just follow things. I don't know. I don't know what's there anymore. But do that. We love you to submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comment section down below or send us a DM on Instagram. But our specific question of the show this week is all building up to our, our very special episode next week. It's going to be exciting, though. But the question is, who is better, Godzilla or Kong, to celebrate the release of this of the, I was about to say, summer blockbuster because that's what it feels like it should be, but it's it's not summer anywhere in the world, actually. Um, so it's disappointing. Of the, the new film hit release, so who is better, Godzilla or Kong, in your opinion? Or as Fitzy said, you can sort of interpret the question however you want. I don't really care. Just let us know. This week, we're reviewing The Bourne Ultimatum, which opened in the US on the 3rd of August 2007. It was once again directed by Mr. Paul Greengrass, friend of the show. The genre is an action thriller, and the synopsis reads, Jason Bourne dodges a ruthless CIA official and his agents from a new assassination program while searching for the origins of his life as a trained killer. Fitzy were you disappointed by the Bourne ultimatum? I know you're excited for the conclusion to the OT of Bourne. How'd it go for you?
2: Um, no, I thought it met expectations. I thought it was pretty fantastic. Um, I mean, all these films really fast-paced, but this one in particular was really quick and just amazing set pieces. I mean, Tangiers and, you know, the whole journalist thing in the train station and... All that was just very, I mean, great action in this one. Probably the best, probably the best action in the whole trilogy, so.
1: It was. I feel like we need to do like a 30-minute breakdown of the London opening sequence with the journalist. It was, it was something. What about you, Jaden?
0: Um, yeah, I really loved it. Um, I was, I think, once again, I was kind of expecting a massive dip because that's just how I've been expecting the series to go. But um, I honestly think it's my favorite one yet. Um I do think that the action's better. I think it's evident how much the crew is built upon what they've known, and I think um, I think the story's really engaging this time around. I feel like, you know, I think the payoff in Supremacy was pretty good, but I think this time around finally unraveling that mystery is very, very satisfying, you know?
1: It is. It is. Um, I think I'm overall with you both, but where I, I'm interested to start getting into like which ones we prefer exactly and how we rank them. Cause I think we're going to differ a little bit, but I think the movie's pretty dope. I liked it a lot. Um, had a great time. The stuff it does for Bourne's character is neat. The revelations, what you were saying, Jane, super satisfying. Um, and it's cool without ever getting super in depth. Like I feel like the movie is at risk. This is something like we talk about the pacing all the time. It's at risk of getting bogged down in background and backstory. And, um, giving us too much explanation of Bourne, and it really is efficient in not doing that. It just gives us the, the the surface level of what we need to understand about his past, and it's really cool the way it's done. And then you still sort of have a lot of it's still ambiguous, which is neat, but um, great action sec, set pieces, sequences, for the most part, bar one, in my opinion, um, and an amazing third act. The God, oh, the third act was cool. And it closes the trilogy really strong. I was not expecting, I want to talk about how this movie starts real quick. I was not expecting to dive right in to Moscow again and this be like a direct sequel to Supremacy, but not just be a direct sequel. Do something that I've never seen a movie do in my life and use the ending of a previous film in the franchise, recontextualize it and use it as a plot point. I, I was impressed by it, you know, the fact that. Like the majority of this movie takes place between like in the last, between before the last scene of supremacy was weird. And when the scene happened in this movie of the supremacy ending, um, I thought I was tripping out for a second. I was mm-hmm. like, is Bourne? Because we made the joke last week. Is Bourne going to do the same thing again where he's like on the building and he's like, what does he what do you say? You look tired or whatever. Is he going to do it again? And he did it again. I'm like. And then it took five seconds for me to click. It's literally the exact same moment. But <laughs> I can't complain, can I? I'd be a hypocrite if I complained about it. It was just, it was neat. It was cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was pretty unique. Were you guys, I don't know, were you surprised? I thought we'd take another step back like we did from identity to supremacy and pick up with Born again, maybe a few years later after he's gone on his lonesome as a rogue. But dude, we jumped right into it and the music just kicked right in. Started pretty strong. Were you I I don't know, were you surprised by this people at all? Yeah, it was weird.
2: Yeah. It Because was... yeah. in the in the End of Supremacy, like it feels like is that's a scene where he's like, you know, going off into the distance. But it's yeah a part of all the action in that so that's good.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like I said, it's recontextualizing it because the exact same moment in supremacy it's like this in that movie it's like this relieving moment of like oh Jason's free now he's off yeah, and he's yeah. sort of completed his arc in that movie but mm-hmm. it's it's so cool how in this movie it's it's sort of the opposite like he's actually going off and he's still very much ingrained in that journey um, cuz he's yeah he's like deep in the action in that moment in this movie i need to talk about this london sequence the whole communicating with the bross the journalist <laughs> It was amazing. It's somehow in the first what? This is like the first set piece. Oh no, it wasn't I mean Moscow had a quick one, so it was in the first 15 minutes of the movie and dude. It totally built on everything I liked about Supremacy's similar sequences. But it was just it, it was insane. Born messing messing with the phones and like putting the phone in 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 his pocket so they and they don't know. <laughs> And every time we cut back to the CIA dudes in the in the room, and they just got no clue what's yeah, happening. Like, they're totally just so confused. <laughs> they're just constantly confused. And every time it's like, "Where's his phone? Why is his phone off? Why isn't he? Why isn't he talking? As they can see, he's talking on a phone. Why isn't it his phone?" And Bournes is like constantly messing with it um, because he's telling Ross what to do the whole time. The moment. I'm so sorry if you haven't seen the movie. You really should have because this makes no sense. But if you have, you're, you're, hopefully you're grinning from ear to here right now because this is terrific. The moment when he like is talking to Ross and he's t- telling him what to do, and he tells him to like stand next to the hooded guy and face the other way to make the CIA dudes think that the guy in the hood is bored and they oh, go after yeah. the hooded guy.
2: Oh, that was great! Yeah, that
1: <laughs> was dude. It was so good. It was so good. And, and we just yeah, we cut back to them again, and they're like, what? I just have no clue what's happening. And tells him to tie his shoe to duck quickly. And it's just constantly it's it's so good. It's like the bl it's like Bourne's this genius at, at, at spatial awareness and and espionage, and he's just blo- he's just leading this blind dude. He's got no idea what he's doing, but it was awesome. And it ended really strong too when old mate Ross got totally blasted.
2: I felt oh, bad yeah, for him. Awesome. Yeah.
1: And it was especially cool because That sort of moment in movies where the like Ross making the decision, he's like, I'm going to ignore Bourne right now and I'm going to run for it. And Bourne's like, don't run for it. And he runs for it anyway. That would sort of annoy me. But given the stress of the circumstances that we're ingrained in for 10 minutes, given that Ross listened to literally everything Bourne set up into that point, I I bought it. It was fine. It was like, in that situation, I can see myself doing the same thing and just shitting myself and going. I need, I feel like I have to do something right now. (laughs) <laughs> no, it would. It would be a. It was a dreadful mistake. Obviously, you got to listen to old mate Jason. Is there anything? I don't know. Did 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 you guys like this as much as I did? Because I thought yeah, it was, it was great.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's really the best. Um, like sequence that uses you know Bourne's, like strategy side. You know, because like the Tangiers fight was like I think the best action sequence in the film in terms of just like. You know the actual fighting of Dash and like the like I thought Nikki was going to die there. There was a lot of tension there, and you know running across all the buildings and stuff that was that was great. But with this, like as you said, like telling telling Ross what to do and like messing with the phones and all that, it was just really you know it was funny and it was satisfying. So
1: yeah, it was exactly what we're talking about from supremacy of it. It's so fun to watch, and it, yeah, it's super entertaining and really services the character. At the same time, you mm, just really yeah. get the the vibe constantly that you ain't messing with Jason Bourne when he's when he's on his game. Is is Tangier in Morocco?
2: Yeah, yeah, Morocco. Yeah, I think. No, so. cool. Yeah.
1: I just want to make yeah. sure because I have an action set piece listed as Morocco, and I just don't want to. Ma- I want to make sure I'm not getting it mixed up and they're the same one we're talking about.
2: Yeah, it's a city in Morocco.
1: Okay, terrific, terrific, cool. I know we're talking about the same one when we get there. Then that's good.
2: One is like a much more. Active role in this film, I guess, because he's like hunting down the, uh you know, the source and the journalist, and he's just going after everything, which is like a really good, you know, arc throughout the trilogy. He's being hunted, and he's being he's a he's a hunter, you know.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Because in yeah, supremacy, right? It was basically just he's trying to find out why he's being hunted.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's got a more active role in that film as well than Identity, but yeah, you know, this it feels like he's going, he's going all out, like you know he's going straight to the FBI office and all that.
1: Totally, yeah, he's reached his peak. He's reached his peak here. Um, I will say, slight criticism of the story, and and to get this out of the way, I do think Supremacy is better, but um, and that might just be because Supremacy, like I was so blown away by how much I enjoyed it, and this is sort of now has to follow its its lead I guess um, for me but kicking this movie off and its first plot point being that he has another traumatized memory that he wants to get to the bottom of like I don't think it's bad I don't want to set that impression up but it it felt like okay we're doing this again you know this it's getting very like it feels very much like it's running its uh running its course here if if this were to happen again yeah yeah. uh, it would be pretty inexcusable for me at that point but it's fine. I think it's fine in the, within the context of, of this original trilogy of the, the amnesia still and the trauma of that still constantly overhanging him as a character. Um, so I can forgive it. But I did, when it happened, I was like, oh, okay, great. Here we go again. Um, but then what it led to was really cool too. But it just, it was an element, I think. I don't know. It was a bit harder for me to get behind entirely uh, when it first showed up. Now I just wanna, I just wanna be happy for a minute, everyone. All right, in supremacy, all I asked for was, can we please get a sped up editing hand combat sequence? And I got it. It was thirty seconds. Would have, would I have liked a bit more? Because I'm selfish, yeah. But I can't complain. I got it. It was really good. It was really good. I'm happy. I'll take it. You know. It was uh, it was just after it was. St- they're still in London, and it was just a bit after Ross dies, and he's in the hallway with taking on like the four dudes at once. And it was.
2: It was oh, cool. okay. I thought you were gonna say
0: Dash. But... Yeah, I was gonna say that 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 whole Dash sequence where he's fighting in like that room, and like that was yeah, that, that, that was, like, was three minutes was... of like hand to hand that I thought you would have enjoyed.
1: No, that was more in the vein of um of the dude in his apartment in Identity and the. Um, and the other Treadstone agent in Supremacy in, in his house, because mm. it was one on one, and it wasn't. Oh, there wasn't right. a huge amount of. There wasn't do. a huge amount of fast motion. If memory serves, I don't think there was. Um, I thought that hand hand stuff was good too, but it wasn't exactly in the style I was looking for. But it's fine because I got it earlier in the movie, so at that point I wasn't.
2: I wasn't pissed right. off that, you know. You well, know. like. In terms of hand-to-hand, hand, the Dash fight to me was like easily like the most intense fight of the series. Like it felt like Dash was like overpowering him, you know, and like um, it was like it was hard. It was a hard fight to watch like for Bourne. Um and, you know, he, he didn't want to kill him there but he kind of had to, so.
1: It was good. Yeah, I agree. I think comparing it to the other, you know, one-on-one hand-to-hand combat, in the trilogy it's definitely the best and having nikki in there as sort of a another factor to consider was yeah i didn't like the lead up to it um i thought morocco as a set piece in terms of what we're doing in the streets was a bit underwhelming not bad you know i've seen way worse but uh i thought it was weirdly paced it went on really like i felt like we spent eight minutes of just dash following nikki through the streets it went forever and then when oh, we finally yeah. got inside it was cool is that uh, did you guys feel that at all or do you see where I'm coming from just as I was watching I just felt like
2: yeah,
0: there wasn't I mean, a lot happening at the start I really um I really enjoyed that sequence like the entirety of it you know the rooftop the chase the just after the explosion all of it I thought that was on um,
2: yeah well yeah what made it like good for me was that like you're also following Bourne at that time getting chased by the police and the way he evades them and you know, you're trying to focus on two things at once. It kind of makes it. But I thought, That's I thought fair. she was really Nikki was really in trouble there. Like I thought they'd kill her off. So I was like, you know, yeah, on
0: the road.
1: and they very well could have too because she's not really used again, except in mm, that awesome yeah. final shot. But as a character, yeah, totally.
0: Mm. Yeah, I saw a thing. I was like, um, after she left the cafe, she didn't have a single speaking line for the rest of the movie. I she mean, have she didn't speak for the rest of the movie. She, although she was shown like quite a bit, yeah,
1: yeah, she was. It was cool to see her pop up again, and uh, you know she's a uh, being that she's not. It's weird, like she's obviously an important character in the sense she appears in all three films, and she has plot significance. But it, yeah, it, it's this weird thing of you know we don't really know her very well. She doesn't really speak a whole lot, really. um So it, it feels weird calling her an important character, but it was cool to see her again come up. Um, I will say I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. All right, Paul Greengrass states in the DVD commentary that the relationship between Nikki and Bourne prior to his amnesia was deliberately scripted and filmed as ambiguous but significant. I didn't get this at all. I feel like uh, when I read this, I was like, "Oh, that's cool," but I just I I didn't get it when I was watching the movie. You know, and maybe uh, I'm not going to blame the movie because I thought maybe it's just me. But
0: it was um, it was most evident when they're in the cafe just after. You know, escaping Madrid or whatever, wherever they were leaving from. And she asks you, really don't remember anything. And like this time, it's, it it seems like really like an intimate question. Like, um, Mm. but it it just, it just does, it does feel weird because like, you know, it she didn't feel like that type of character at all in the rest of the series, especially in the first one. She felt very estranged to him. Yeah. So I'm not sure whether this was like a retroactive decision or whether it was intended and it was just that it was conveyed. But in this one, I did feel that relationship, especially her willingness to help him straight away. You know, yeah, I feel like that—that was, that was explained by their previous relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I, I, yeah, I just thought it was weird because she helps immediately, she immediately betrays the CIA, and the moment where she like, uh, <laughs> I love how the camera—they use the camera to show us this information, but when it's like um, she's under duress and she has to say one of two code words to whether or not she's. Um, at gunpoint or not? Essentially, um, that was a cool so- spy moment. But anyway, when she like helps immediately, I wrote, I took a note and thought it was weird. Um, and yeah, the moment you you're totally right, Jan. Like in retrospect, I see that in that line. Um, but in the scene, I just I sort of interpreted it as just her hinting towards his past in terms of his origins as David Webb and things we're going to learn in the third act, not actually their relationship, Um, which totally, yeah, I can see how that would work too. But in the moment I didn't get that. Mm. Um, And I do think to your point, I do think it's a bit of a shame. that It wasn't, didn't seem to be something they were focusing on in the previous movies at all. It's cool that if that's the idea they were going for here and they, and I appreciate the decision to, I, I like subtle relationship and character building, but doing it only in this movie and in leaving it f- to a few lines is a little, not quite enough for me, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, in the first one, she's just another the CIA, lackey.
0: Yeah. Lacky. Yeah. Such an interesting like, word. I don't know. Like, Lacky. Like, it is just, a weird it, word. It, I don't know. Just hits me weird, you know?
1: I actually don't know what it means. I've only, you know, I only hear it in context of referring to, like, so I understand how to use it, but I don't know what it means. I don't know what the definition is. When Zemo showed up as Marie's brother, I... Oh, yeah, I was... I only wrote it down, like, I wrote it down, and I only remembered it because I wrote it down. If I didn't write that down, there is zero chance I'd mention it today. It was a fine scene. just. It's sort of weird to remind us of Marie in that way, you know? Like I get, they're trying to link back to Marie and the trauma of that. But I thought they did a good enough job of that when they had the the, the mental psychological sequence of the flashbacks that he was dealing with, and they flash back to that really cool shot of Marie fading in the water. I thought that was enough. I, I don't know. I don't.
0: I thought this yeah, brother
1: was going to be a character in this movie. It was sort of odd.
0: Um, when he first rocked up, I thought it was um I didn't know. I, I thought it was Paddy Considine, and I thought like Bourne was already in his apartment. And it was like you know about to murder um, um, yeah but then like, soon like when he came to focus more you know you thought it was who the journalist the journalist for us Oh. because like you yeah. know it goes straight from that meeting with um the CIA dude to that to, you know his apartment was like
1: yeah it did it was weird I guess they just felt like they wanted to connect Marie in a more physical sense to the film again and they want to yeah. em- emphasize her significance to the story which is fair enough I understand.
2: Wasn't a brother? Wasn't there a brother in the first one though, that they went to the house too? Oh, that,
1: I totally forgot about that character. That was weird. Wasn't it just like a yeah,
0: was friend? Just a mate. Yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, okay.
1: But then, that the the character brother, never comes boy. up again, dude.
0: I mean, that's because he ran away because boy told him to run away to save his kids.
1: Yeah, but yeah. Oh, I don't know, I mean, That was yeah, like. Well, Dude, I completely forgot about that character until you just mentioned him, Fitzy. And now that I'm thinking about it on the spot, that would have been cool if he were in that scene.
2: Oh, uh, so yeah. It yeah I guess it,
1: so. makes it justified, you know. I
2: was really- just mentioning because I thought that he was a brother as well, but no, apparently not.
0: So. I'm going to ask now what was the ultimatum?
2: It was um, his choice, I guess, to to um, become bomb. Um, the ultimate. Oh, so it's a
0: reference to an already past. Okay. That makes a lot. Yeah, okay. From the title, I was expecting him to make a choice now. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah.
1: That's cool. Let's, let's let's do it. All right. Jason Bourne, we learned at the end of the previous movie that his real name is David Webb. That's all we knew, right? I made the comment, I think, in that episode that, I oh, it would have been cool if we learned that as a trilogy ending thing. I was so wrong because we definitely learned way more interesting stuff here. While it's still being vague and interesting because they never say it, he's clearly some sort of war vet. Um, mentions how he can't sleep. Um, clearly struggling with PTSD or trauma of some sort, which unfortunately in his new life doesn't really change for him. Um, it was cool. It was really neat. I think as a and now that I think about it, it's actually sort of a fairly obvious route to go with a character like Bourne, you know, like thinking about how spies or how someone like him might be recruited and his line of work prior. It makes a lot of sense, but I still was surprised by it. Um, and the way in which those scenes are shot and executed is really, really great. Like I said, they're never mentioned by word his occupation or his situation explicitly. It's like not very subtly, I guess, shot with the the dog tags, but still cool stuff. And when he struggles to kill the first dude in the corner, it was a, it was a really cool scene that flashback because I, I felt why he'd really, why that would stick with him. Because um, he's so hesitant to do it for so long. He's like, I, I really don't want to do this. Really struggles with it. And then he has a moment where he just snaps and does it. You know, it wasn't this drawn out. He's sweating and he eventually pulls the trigger. He just snapped and did it and, I can see why. I mean, killing a human being the way would stick with you, obviously. But just the way in which that was shot and the the framing of that to the flashbacks, I thought was really effective. And it makes it even better than when that sort of comes up again and surfaces his arc in the modern day, really strongly. What do you guys think of the revelation with Jason Bourne in this movie? Were you? Oh, I mean, you mentioned at the start, Jane, but you were satisfied with this reveal explicitly? Were you talking about, it or are you going beyond that into the actual ending?
0: Uh, just with his origins you know the fact that he was it's kind of what you touched on the fact that he was just a military man like think it wasn't he wasn't trained as a super cia agent you know it was something that was brought into and i think you know the fact that he's obviously someone with a past but who's not overly significant is a cool thing you know i guess that's, you kind of need that for the cia you know you can't,
1: super soldier si- serum pumped into his veins yeah you know, i guess
0: whatever. like for the cia he can't be a name so yeah um but yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed it. And that whole scene of him, like, of, you know, when they're in that room and he's really living that experience, like, like the score in that, I think it's called, uh, I, can't, I can't remember what the piece is called, but it's probably like very, you know, it, re- it rings in your ear- ears and it, it, it really feels like it's trying hard to make you feel like you're in his part with, with like, with like, you know, the, the, the way it's constructed that, that, that score. And it was really effective and like, you know, I think the, the the way you talked about like you know the fact that he does just snap and like I think um and the fact that it doesn't it doesn't linger on it too long the fact that it immediately gets back into it, it it's I just thought all that stuff was really nice you know
1: yeah it's a great example of the pacing and the sappiness of the editing we talk about it a lot in terms of letting the action just feel like it's flowing and let the obviously the movie feels like it flies by in that same sense but also like serves character moments too. Just something I don't really mention often, or I don't think we talk about often, but it totally applies here.
0: I think um, I think the payoff for a lot of the characters. I think uh, I, I think Nikki kind of got a bit shafted with her, with with how she just got told to run away. But like, I think the payoff for Andy, and of you know, he's the new the new like asset character, and like you know, even of like the 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 CIA dude just trying to track him down or whatever. I think I think I think. You know, I think the consequences for all of them is pretty nice. You know, that, that asset choosing, not to shoot and shit like that. And yeah,
1: yeah, really, really good. And the way we deal with other, you know, agents and other Treadstone dudes in pre- the previous movies are, is cool because they come in and out of the movie and their antagonists and their plot points and whatever. But the way this movie, this movie, I feel like really is deliberate with how it handles those two characters, specifically the the main. Asset guy, the white dude, and uh, who, what was the other guy's name, Fitzy? Def. You had Dash, thank you.
0: Um, Sorry, I don't know. Those two characters. I
1: yeah, how, how do you <laughs> answer? Um, but co- the very, very deliberate choice to constantly refer to them as assets is a nice touch. And I could see where they were going um, with it. And it paid off really good. It was cool. Um, because obviously, he strips them of their humanity. And then we get to the end. The moment, hey, don't, don't, if anyone out there is writing an English essay on the Bourne ultimatum, all right, feel free to steal this one, all right. So, but when we get to the end, it's really cool. You know, I'm no longer Jason Bourne. He's stripping himself of that identity, get it, that he gave, that he was given from external forces, CIA out of his control. And he didn't want to kill Desh earlier in the movie, but was forced to. Thread continues. He spared the asset. Capital A um, in the car sequence, and that leads to Asset Guy choosing not to kill Jason Bourne either when they have their confrontation up on top of the roof. Really cool stuff. And then, what is he? What's the line? It's something to the effect of, "Um, look what they look what make they us made, give up." Or,
0: yeah, mm. look what they made you give. Us, yeah, that's what I thought. Was. Um, I thought that was the ultimatum for a bit. I thought it, was, it wasn't actually Bourne's, it was you know the Asset's ultimatum, and like. And like Oh, I know, that's it quite it obviously doesn't yeah, work, because, yeah. you know, I guess, like, born was just... Uh, I was like... I was trying to, like, fucking, like, fifth dimension this year. I was like, alright, so born was <laughs> just an asset and this is another asset, so the ultimatum is that, you know, everyone is, like, born and it's just another organic form. It's like, yeah, alright. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: a topic to set. That's a paragraph right there. It's <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, going back to the ending,
2: though, going back to the, um... the flashback sequence with, um, you yeah, know, the Doctor or whatever. Yeah. Like, I was expecting as Jane said earlier, for the ultimatum to be something that Bourne would have to, you know, like carry out in the present. So when we got another flashback sequence at the end, I was kind of like I didn't think it was great, I thought it was I thought it was good, but um because I wasn't expecting that kind of thing, although that was obviously where the movie was leading with the flashbacks at the start and and all that. So I mean, I was a little disappointed by that, but um, because I love the ending so much, you know, I rewatched some of that and, I mean, I think it was great. I just wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something better in the present, but I think now that I know that it was, that's what it was about, something in the past, it's fine, you know, enjoy it now, I guess.
1: I see that. I see that. And I think the way when Bourne uh, has the conversation with Landy at the front of the the facility or whatever it is, um, and he's like, I'm doing this, I'm confronting my past, I'm doing it now, and he goes in. Like, I can – that's sort of – I felt it was a, a moment that was building towards what could be an ultimatum for him once he faces it inside, you know? So I can understand how that how that could be seen that way and sort of – that's how I felt sort of could be disappointing. Um, oh, yeah.
2: I guess it's it's also an ultimatum in that he doesn't kill the, um you know, the yeah. doctor or whatever. It's a choice, but –
1: Yeah, 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 right. I think, no, yeah, I guess there are a few, but I I think the earlier answer of the past is definitely the ultimate, is the ultimatum. It's the most significant, yeah, Yeah, for sure, by far.
0: Should have been ultimatums with an S at the end.
1: (laughs) The born ultimatums. (laughs) Doesn't quite roll off the tongue. But, you know, before we get to the actual, like, final, final shot stuff, which we haven't actually done yet, but. sort of on your train of thought fits with being slightly disappointed with elements of the ending like i thought that the doctor character and the the actual brack uh what's it called Black Briar, you know people it was it was fine you know it didn't the, the reveal of him is cool i like that actor what I've, i don't think i've seen him in anything he was he had good screen presence but outside of that though it's like we meet him um he tells Bourne everything he needs to know which again as a story thing is cool but then the payoff for him is just, oh, and he got locked up and the news tells us he got locked up. It's like, okay, you yeah. know. There wasn't all, anything really satisfying. Everything satisfying about the ending comes from Bourne. doesn't really come from anything that happens with these other characters that are built towards in the memory earlier, you know.
2: I really loved um, David Stratham in the film as um, um, you yeah, know the new CIA guy. He was really... Is great, he the kill? Yeah. Is he Kill Bill? No. Isn't Bill Kill Bill in
1: this movie? Am I tripping? I, mean, I mean, think of the CIA
0: director, but like, I, I don't think that's the same person. Once again,
1: is that not Bill?
0: No, that's not Bill. Oh, Bill's...
1: does it look like him though? Am I?
0: Not really. I mean, Bill's like old, isn't he? I kind of got yeah, more. I kind of got more Ed Harris vibes from him, to be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: I've seen him in something for sure. I yeah. thought it was Bill, but maybe... I
2: don't what know. was his name? Wait, is
1: that, but that's not who you're talking about, Fitzy. Who are you talking about?
2: Just the new CIA dude. The um,
1: dude that's going to Who's off in him.
2: charge now. You know, the main... Oh, yeah, dude.
1: sorry. Of course. Yeah, no, Noah right. is his name, right?
2: Yeah, Noah is, yeah.
1: He's cool. He's really cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> he has cool comedic moments, like that, that playoff born. I think. The moment when... um. The whole thing that ties into the supremacy ending of the way Bourne ma- manipulated the situation to get into his office was mm-hmm. really cool. But then the <laughs> this made me laugh. I don't know if anyone else finds this funny, but um, when he, he he drops in Noah's office, and, and, like he he's on the phone to Noah and he just tells him he's in his office, and Noah just screams like. It's a, we need a, it's a code 10 abort, a code 10 abort. <laughs> what is a code 10 abort? You know what I mean? Like, how can you have different degrees of abort? Don't you just abort?
0: I mean, it's, oh, probably, it's probably like an abort and fall back and rather than abort and like hide. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, but it's, it's a code probably...
1: 10. It's like there, how many codes of abort are there? You know? <laughs> All right. We've broken down a lot of the ending. Things we liked, things we loved, things that were okay to us, you know? But we haven't mentioned the actual last 30 seconds. And God damn, dude. God damn, it was so good.
2: Yeah.
1: It was so good. He falls in the water after being shot. We get the shot that mirrors the Born identity shot dude. of him, you know, falling off the boat.
0: Yeah. How, how high of a drop was that? Because that, that was like 11 stories. The water would have been, con- been concrete at that point, surely, right? I mean, that was a massive drop. And he didn't hit that safely. I mean, he should be fucking splattered.
1: No, he definitely didn't hit it safely. That's uh, fair. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, I think there's not... But, he, hey, he is Jason Bourne, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, clearly, that's all the logic you need. Mm. Um, All right. So, we get the, the Bourne identity mirror shot, the news report, his body hasn't been found in three days, and all we get is Nikki smiles, and th- they just hit the music, and I'm like... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You I, love got that,
2: me. I love that music so much dude.
1: I started clapping, I'm like, dude, that was sick.
2: That <laughs> made, made me emotional when that music started playing. It was like very yeah, oh, right? so satisfying. Like whoever thought of using that song at the ending should, you know, get a raise.
1: Such a oh, such a good ending song. And then he just swims away. That's
2: yeah. And in this one they're like, um it's like a different variation as well. I think each one is like is slightly it? different. Yeah, because in this one it like it delays it a little bit. So you can, like, feel the music coming and then you, like, see him swimming. He's like, oh, that's just great.
1: Oh, dude. Oh, I can't get over it, dude. You just, people, just watch all these movies just for the ending. It totally makes the journey worth it. They nailed it. And now, like, I feel like, sure, there's potentially, from this point in terms of just the continuity of the films, there's potentially more story to tell. Obviously, Born survives. Um but that felt like a solid ending to a trilogy, you know, about a, a dude going on a character arc about finding his identity and then being the person he wants to be. You know, pretty standard character development shit, but really satisfying ending. And it makes me think to myself, like, sure, Bourne could go on more operations in the future, but do I want to see those? No, nah, but we're going to. So. <laughs> <Is>
0: that, <laughs> are they both prequels from this point, or is it only Legacy that's a prequel?
2: Legacy happens oh. during
0: one of the movies, I think. Oh, I did
1: not know this. I don't, like, know a, I don't know. I don't know about Jason Bourne. I I assumed it was a sequel, but I don't know that. I actually never considered it. So that's a solid yeah, I think,
2: point. I think it, Jason Bourne's a sequel. I don't know. But yeah.
0: I, think... I mean, it'd have to be a sequel because it'd be hard to de-age Matt Damon. Like, fucking yeah, he looks older in that. Yeah. In that
2: yeah. I mean,
0: he looks how he looks. He doesn't look old. But... <laughs>
1: Not trying to be
0: too mean. Vinny, do you have any fun trivia for us?
1: Oh, thank you. Oh, God. Why aren't you hosting the show? That was great timing. Uh, The scene where Bourne calls Pam Landy. Oh, I'm sorry. I actually should have read this earlier because we've sort of talked about it, but it's still interesting information. The scene where Bourne calls Pam Landy while looking at her from a nearby building was reshot for this film. The footage was the Bourne Supremacy's ending uh, from the Bourne Premises ending was not used.
0: I was gonna say it because because it was because it did look different for a second. I thought it was it was a different occasion, but I thought um and I thought like Bourne was playing a recording of their previous thing to trick the CIA dude, but then I, I, I like what happened was yeah. obviously much more preferable. So yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, my head ran through all those options too in the space of ten seconds.
2: It was really cool how she gave her the number to the um like experimental office or whatever, you know? As oh, her, 14, as his 1971. Um, yeah, as his like birthday. Yeah. And then like the whole dynamic between Pamela and Noah Verson in this film was like pretty great. I thought when Noah Verson like called her in that office and she was like faxing the uh, you know, confidential files or whatever, I thought he'd just shoot it there, to be honest. But um I <sighs> no, just like left it, so
1: that would have been dark.
2: I like, um,
0: I like the implied past between them two as well. Because, you know, when she oh, first yeah. walks in and she's like, you know, oh, we can't just go around killing everyone still or whatever, like, you know, employing his methods or what you know. So I like that they set up a bit of a history without really touching on it too much and extending the movie more than it should. I thought that was well done.
1: Yeah. And I thought Noah's motivations, considering the the past CIA villains we've had, like we had the, the dude in the last one who betrayed the CIA, for, for uh, yeah like we talked about that in the last review like i bought it but it was sort of you know it was it felt a bit strange because he was so loyal for so long this particular motivation like obviously morality wise very very sketchy but i liked it i think it made sense you know why someone in that sort of role in the cia who's leading these covert operations all the time would want the authority just to shoot on site um that's essentially all it was, right? He just wanted the authority to kill without going to his supervisors. Um, well, um,
2: that program had that authority already, basically. So, like, yeah, he was just he was just using like excessive, you know, amounts of, um, units or whatever, like people to try and kill them because that's what Black Briar was, you know. It's a it's um the program for them to not have to call, you know, Washington. That's what he said, or whatever, you have to call higher so he can just give orders to use the assets and people and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he was trying to stop that from being exposed, right?
2: That was... Oh, no. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. The generals okay. and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But also because he has, like, I think it's implied that he's abused the system a bit and he's been a bit too, you know, forcible with it or whatever. He's used too much manpower. Yeah, definitely. So,
1: he has the the conversation about you know just matters, all matters is that we win, you know.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, you'd understand why he wants to kill Jason Bourne, you know, because Jason Bourne can pretty much just expose everything, just do anything, you know.
1: Oh yeah, dude. Jason Bourne could kill like l- literally everyone in CIA headquarters by himself. Or, or, or actually, I'd rather, I'd rather watch the movie where he just trolls all of them, like he just plays pranks on them. But they're really creative, mm. interesting pranks.
2: Mm. I mean, that's pretty much this movie. Yeah, actually, it's
1: true. So, Last um, bit of trivia for you. Sorry, Fitz, you you gonna go? That
0: was Jane. Oh, that sorry.
1: Was it? Sorry, Jane. Were you gonna? Jane?
0: I was. I was gonna mention something, but you, but you might read it out now. So we'll see. Will I? We'll, we'll see.
1: I don't think so, but I don't know. We'll see. The cafe in Tangier that Nikki Parsons <laughs> chooses as a meeting place is the Cafe de Paris. I love how I just said Paris with like a weird pronunciation for no reason, which was a popular haunt of spies and emissaries during Tangier's years as an international city. Some worldly learning for the audience, right there. Hope you enjoyed that. Feel free to go ahead, Jay.
0: Oh, uh, I was going to mention the fact because I read it in the trivia for that too about about like um about the writing of this film and how you know the bloke who wrote the first two he kind of like just did a quick draft for this one and then. You know, Damon said it was practically un, un, unreleasable or whatever, and like you know, he was talking shit about like the about that and stuff. And I think it's interesting because like this is—I wonder how much of that draft is in this movie because this is a pretty, you know, decently written, well, well-written, uh, you know, film. So I was, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that.
1: That's a good point, point. and it feels—it feels like it has the same DNA. Um of the previous films. Sensational. Great. Uh final verdict for the Born Ultimatum. Vitti, go for it.
2: Um, I think Supremacy and Identity uh I mean nine out of ten. Nine out of ten still, I think it's fantastic action movie. Um some parts were like uh, like the flashback scene stuff was like I thought it would be greater and telling the present, but I think like there's just too many great parts of this film, I mean tangiers you know, phone, I mean um, uh, train sequence and everything and I mean yeah, so I think it's pretty fantastic, oh it's also like I mean like, you know, faster and quicker, I mean the edits and pacing is a lot quicker so still a 9 out of 10 Um, I don't know if I prefer but Yeah, I actually think I might, like, as we were talking about supremacy, I was thinking it might be better than identity, so supremacy might be my favourite.
1: It's very high. Jaden?
0: I'm going to stick with an 8, although I do think it, 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 you you know, numerically it probably does deserve a 9, but just, once again, that feeling that we talk about often. Um, I do think it's a better 8 than supremacy, and so I think, like, my ranking at the moment is ultimate and supremacy. Identity, but um, I think I think the, the the difference between supremacy and Ultimate is pretty pretty slim. But um, yeah, I, I I this one um connected with me that bit more than supremacy did.
1: Sure, sure, I'll give it an eight too. Um, I don't like it quite as much as uh, supremacy. I almost got them mixed up. Um, yeah, little just little things I've mentioned that I think weigh down a tad for me. But dude. Now, still an awesome movie and really satisfying conclusion to the trilogy. Um, just didn't have quite that that surprise. Like I was taken aback by Supremacy when I watched it um, going in. So yeah, no, my ranking so far would be uh, Supremacy, Ultimatum, Identity. Sick. Let's get into news chat. Uh, who here has seen the Suicide Squad trailer? Raise your hand.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. sick yeah, we
0: all saw it. <laughs> I love <laughs> like, how you say raise your hand instead of like verbally confirm <laughs> for a fucking audio show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought it was more fun that way. Yeah. Uh, it, it was for us anyway. I'm I'm glad we've all seen it though. That's cool. Um I thought it was I thought it was cool. I liked it a lot, you know. Um it, 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 it met my expectations perfectly. I was already, I'm already quite high in this movie. Oh. The sizzle reel we got.
2: Wait, sorry. I thought good. when you said, I thought it was good. You're talking about the hand raising, but you're talking about the trailer.
1: Oh no, I moved on. I did think that was good too, but I moved <laughs> on to the to the film to this trailer. Um, I already had pretty solid expectations for it after the sizzle reel. They, the sizzle reel sold me on it. I'm like, dude, I believe in James Gunn. I believe in this cast. Um, and yeah, I thought the trailer was fun. What do you guys think?
2: So it was, it was okay. The joke at the start with Helicon was a bit bad a bit cringe. But um Oh really? Other I than that, that, I mean it was it's hard to tell with trailers like this because I mean when Suicide Squad trailer came out everyone was loving it, not me included. Like the original Suicide Squad trailer with the, you know, Bohemian rhapsody or whatever, that was great and it looked like mm. it was gonna have its own unique style, it was gonna be a good original D C film, but obviously it was not, so um, but I'm glad some cool actors are in it, like Idris Elba and you know, um, John, John Cena, I guess, and all that. So it could be fun. I
1: will I will make a counter-argument to uh, totally, you know, it's a trailer. We're just talking about the trailer here. I've got no idea what the movie's going to be like, obviously. But in support of the, poten- uh, the way in which this trailer is indicative of the quality of the film potentially, like you said, you know, a huge reason, I don't really remember the trailers, to be honest, but a huge reason to my understanding of what you mentioned of why people liked the first Suicide Squad trailers, but it's because of Bohemian Rhapsody and the way it was cut together, right? With that music. Yeah, I think. The yeah really
2: well. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. And I personally thought all the really shining moments in this trailer were not, were not just some music choices, some editing. I thought it was actually the moments
0: we were seeing, you know? Mm. Yeah. No, I think, I think it was pretty, I think like when Starro appears, is when I kind of bought into it a bit, but I think the rest of the trailer was mm. kind of average. But
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. because star what was
2: that? The, the massive starfish, starfish. dude.
1: <laughs> that appeared at the end.
2: I remember that.
1: <laughs> it's pretty hard to forget. this. Literally, a big starfish is the villain of this movie, apparently. Oh. Which is hilarious.
2: <laughs> and I can totally
1: see why that made you buy into it, Jan, because I think it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, um... But yeah, I, th- I think like the fact that I think what Liam's saying about the first Harley Quinn joke is a bit cringe. I think I think I found a lot of the lines in the trailer and a bit of the action was a bit cringy, especially the stuff with King Shark. I like, I saw some people like saying King Shark was cool, but I think it was kind of played weirdly. I mean, you know, it's fucking like two minute trailer. You know, who knows what's going to be. But I I like the King
2: Shark because uh, yeah.
0: I think he could. Sylvester
1: Stallone is King Shark, by the way.
2: Yeah, oh that's cool. I think he could be a fun, <laughs> fun character.
1: I also liked the king shark bits, wow! And I thought he looked amazing too. Like his, I assume it's a combination of um, yeah, some good. practical puppet yeah. thing and CG. It looked really good. And John, uh, dude, John Cena, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably think he's hilarious in this.
0: Dude, where I, was, I didn't uh, even see John Cena in the trailer.
1: Dude, he was what? What? <laughs> he was like the biggest, other than Idris Elba, he was by far in the trailer the most.
0: was <laughs> oh, <isn't laughs> making a fuck it.
1: Uh, did you get it, Fitzy, and you were laughing at me, or were you laughing
2: at Wait, me? Wait, what was that? What Jane he was, was
1: joking. Jane was joking.
2: Because about, you can't oh, see John Cena.
0: Who were you
1: laughing at? Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm so embarrassed I didn't get that. Did What were you laughing at, Fitzy? You need to confirm or deny if you're stupid or not.
0: Wait,
2: hold on. What did Jane say that I'm confused about? I know he's saying,
0: like, he's making the joke that... It's me, but
2: what did he say? No, him?
0: I was making a joke because you know how, like, with John Cena, you know, John, you, you can't see John Cena. You can't?
2: Oh, okay. I, I
0: was making a I'm joke. Like, and, I'm like, done. Finney, of all people, doesn't pick up on it. And I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not as embarrassed because I'm not a, you
2: know, um, WWE maniac, so that's okay.
1: Your whole thing, your whole nickname is John Cena. Yeah, you don't need a WWE maniac to understand the "you can't see me" thing. I'm not asking you to tell me what match he had at SummerSlam 2016.
0: What match was it?
1: <laughs> AJ Styles beat him in a singles match.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, cool beans. All right, next up, we got finally the confirmation of the fate of Black Widow. Uh, it's been long speculated. Will it? Will they stick to theaters? Well, they go to Disney Plus? What are they doing over there at Marvel Studios? And, you know, they were very ride or die on the theatre thing for ages, but they budged. Black Widow is now releasing July 9th, and it's coming to the Disney Plus Premier Access thing for people that can't go to the theatre. Uh, of course, our favourite service here on the show, Jaden's favourite, Disney Plus offering that, that they do there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Yeah. So, I mean, we finally know what's happening. I'm excited to go and see it in the theatre and I can at least, you know, feel sorry for everyone else, but I, we have the ability to treat it as a regular release, so that's cool. We've already talked about, like, how interested we are in this movie, right?
0: Yeah, like fucking 30 episodes ago.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, it might have been, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole fact yeah, that it's I mean... a prequel is sort of, I don't know, I think it'll be solid, but, like, I'm not chomping at the bit.
2: I think I'm more interested than I was, you know. Because there hasn't been a lot really of great Marvel movies in a while. Well, there hasn't been any Marvel. There hasn't I
1: mean, been any. Yeah. Since Endgame. Oh, since Far From Home. Sorry.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it a good character as well. So, yeah. 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 I mean, in Endgame, she's a good character.
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Hundred percent.
0: Like classic. Is that a cat play? or is it a bird? What is that? Because I'm trying to figure out if it's coming from from Finny's end or Fitz's end.
1: It's Where definitely it? not from my end, and it's a starving child.
0: This—that's oh, my just a chair creak. What?
2: Uh... <laughs> you know, I thought you guys knew this. Oh my
1: god! I know it creaks, and that's really annoying for me in the edit. But outside of that, though, that sounded like literal. It sounded like a human. It sounded like a, <laughs> a living thing.
2: Really? That's funny. <laughs> it totally does, right?
1: But that's that has not happened before, right?
0: No, I haven't heard it before.
1: That's significantly,
2: really? unless
0: that was. All unless, the time.
1: oh my god, is this like the biggest center Effect law plot twist of all time? Are the children in Liam's cupboard? And he always says, uh, "We're like, yo, there are kids nearby." And Fitz is always like, oh, "I don't know, I don't know where the kids are." Were the kids the entire time his chair?
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, I swear you can hear like murmurations of like voices sometimes, right?
1: Yeah, That's, um, yeah, I swear that too. But I also swear to God that doesn't sound like a chair right now. We need, the, uh, we
0: need to get the law keeper on this one.
1: <sighs> this has completely blown my mind. I might just have to turn off the recording now. I just can't continue. Uh, all right, now it's time for our highlights of the week. Jada, what have you been watching?
0: Damn, um, I was—I was, I was going to save the justice League discussion for, for, for after, but I mean, like, I guess if we can just jump straight oh. into Justice League.
1: Do you want to? Zach Steiner's Justice League. Zack Finn's
0: Justice League. <laughs> oh, please recut it, Finny. Please recut or just put six hours not, worth of put six hours worth of film in a timeline and you cut it together.
1: I'm not joking. I thought about that for two seconds. I thought this Zack Snyder's Justice League can make a solid two and a half hour movie, you know? Thought about that?
0: Yeah, I thought of a whole lot of average, you know? Um, there's elements that are better, but then there's so much shit that's worse. I think, like, I mean, it's something we've, we've talked about pretty extensively, like when we're like, when watching about, like, Zack Snyder's use of slow-mo. But, like, it's just, it's atrocious in this one. It, it really is, like, it really is, like, Profoundly, offensively overused, and like, <laughs> and like it's it's like it, it's a lot of other shit like in post as well like, that that That's you know, I think like you know the CG looks bad, and I think the way it's shot, it, it, it makes a lot of things look weird. Sorry, I don't think all the CG is bad, but there's some shit that's really bad. Um, you know that scene where Batman drives off with the Flash for the first time. Oh, damn. is shit. Um,
1: like Luther in the water.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, that was so fucking weird. That was worse than Mark Ruffalo in like the Hulkbuster suit in in in, in Infinity War. Like that was and
1: that's that's saying something.
0: Yeah, that was that was bad. I um, guess it was just like footage they had somewhere else and
1: they like inserted him into the scene. I yeah. guess, cuz that's the Yeah, anyway.
0: Um the acting for such famous names, Ben Affleck, Henry Cav- I, I think Henry Cavill was actually okay. Um but Gal Gadot was dude, no. Gal Gadot, Gadot, fucking whatever. She's um, fine. I don't, I don't Amy Adams, you know, I, I think Amy Adams is a great actress, and I think she's probably like one of my favorite of all time, but the fact that we see her crying for five separate shots before she has a spoken line is stupid. Um and there's like that the, the way the movie opens with, you know, Batman screaming not Batman, fucking Superman screaming as he dies, <laughs> and like and like and like and like the, the, the shockwave rippling throughout the world is, is <laughs> Oh my God. It sounds like you're fucking at, you know, Spa-Francorchamps with F1 cars going up our rouge. And it's just like, that is coming through my fucking 80 times. Um, and I think opening with that pissed me off. And like, I think it kind of said a bad mood, but I think, I think the movie's greatest credit is that it did not feel like four hours to me. So
2: mm-hmm. I think
0: that's a great thing because it, it genuinely did not take, it did not feel like it was taking that long. Um, and I think there are moments, I think there's, the writing's very on off. I think sometimes there's some pretty decent stuff, but then there's also some dog shit stuff. Um, and I, I think like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like after everything, cause I, I, I wasn't expecting anything, but I wanted so much, you know, and it's kind of left me in this weird place with the movie. And yeah, I don't know. How do you boys feel about that?
2: No, I mean pretty much the same, but as what Jane said. But I mean, I thought the writing is pretty good in like first half and like some of the introductions, backstories, all that. But um, I was mainly disappointed because I was expecting a lot, like a lot more of a story than what Justice League gave us. Like I thought Dark Tide would be more, much more involved in in the film. Obviously, like it's a four hour film, so I thought you know. We're gonna have another two hours for uh, Darkside Battle or something, but obviously it's just everything was just extended and on, like if you make the slow mo scenes like normal scenes, it's like a three hour movie, you know. So it's like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like the like Stepmother is just not that interesting in the villain anyway, so it's kind of just um, yeah, as good as the first one is in terms of story, but um, so I mean it's better. If it was two hours, but then it's a four hour movie, so you yeah, know, never gonna watch it again. But then also the fact that it was, I mean, I don't mind in theory having, you know, an aspect ratio, an interesting aspect ratio um, magic, but like, there are so many scenes where I just wanted it to be, you know, widescreen and um, normal, and um, it just didn't. It, it got so... I mean, you have to watch that box for four hours. And it's just... And it
0: gets tight. It gets annoying after a while. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... I think I, really I, average overall. I mentioned it while we are watching it. Like, the like you know, Zack Snyder goes for that. You know, your, your classic hero shot towards the end when they've, you know, beat Steppenwolf and they're all standing on top of the fucking nuclear thing. And, like... It's the best possible time for for a wide shot to you know display your full team, but instead he has to kind of slowly pan across them and up them to kind of you know display them all together, and they're at this weird angle and like. And you know, I think you know, I think we've been pretty critical of the the, the ratio in the show, but I think beforehand I was saying you know it was, it, he can justify throughout the movie if he shows it's worth it, but he does nothing to justify that aspect ratio at all.
1: Hmm. Yeah, man. I thought I had its moments. I mm, I don't yeah, have time watching it. More. Generally speaking, I don't dis- i don't disagree with any of the larger points you've made. Um, I like oh. Batfleck a lot still.
0: Mm.
1: Not how he's used in the action sequences, but, that, but that, that, that's, that's always, an inherent problem.
0: Yeah, I was, yeah, it's always a problem with Batman in these in these bigger films. Totally.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, so. did not enjoy that at all. But I enjoy Batfleck as a character,
0: hundred yeah. um,
1: percent. And I think he has solid dialogue throughout too. Um, Whole the whole his arc I think is solid and I think it ends really well with that re that that ending Martian Manhunter scene. Um, the whole Martian Manhunter thing is, is weird, but I appreciate it's just fan service, access, like throwing it in there. Um, that reshot scene is sort of necessary for Batfleck in the movie, in the sense of you know bad. Martian.
2: Sorry. Wow! <laughs> Did you? I thought everything in Lost an now with the fan service thing was terrible. I mean, the Joker scene, the Marshall I Man had the scene where um, Netflix like five years older and did
1: you not like the way they were like what did you not like about them?
2: It was just the it just felt wrote, so like unjointed and like oh. dis- disjointed and like random and the Joker thing was, the Joker thing was terrible. Um the Joker's whole speech was just not I don't know. I don't like uh, what his performance yeah, but um um, yeah, there's like five post-credit scenes or whatever you hold it. like, you
1: know. Just thrown into the epilogue, yeah.
2: I totally agree with that. Like, from any
1: traditional filmmaking, editing, structural perspective, it's terrible. Um, and it, it's completely unconventional in a bad way. I completely agree. But I, I sort of make an exception in the sense of, from a structural perspective, like, I, I like the Joker scene. I think it's, I mean, like, I didn't love it. I'm not talking out to it, but I thought, okay, well, that was a cool little exchange they had. But, um, uh, I sort of give him the benefit of the doubt because we understand, you know, the circumstances in which this film was made and how it's created and, you know, the the whole really interesting behind-the-scenes story and fan uprising to get this released. And with that real-life context, which I understand doesn't re- – I totally get your argument. It doesn't really impact the quality of the film itself. But just having that understanding while watching it, I think I, I can accept it. I'm like, okay, he's just – People really want this. He's he's just trying to make people happy with this, and clearly, people are really happy with it. So, from any actual structural perspective, it makes no sense. Absolutely,
0: just to close off I think. um uh, right. we were in, like media year twelve. We were just talking about like the difference in the way that like Gal Gadot has been, has been shot in Wonder Woman, and then you know when you put a male director behind the thing, and like it is so like obvious, like you know, like. You know, I think like we we don't really, we, you know, like, we, I think we we we've, we've briefly spoken about like the male gaze and whatever in like some other parts, but like it's very obvious in this, like, cause like there's so many like upskirt shots of like Wonder Woman, and there's like you know, there's like like the way she's shot is so much more sexualized than she was in like Wonder Woman with Patty Jenkins, and like it was just, oh really? Yeah, dude, the first shot we get of Wonder Woman is her standing on the fucking Lady Justice thing or whatever, and it's just straight up her skirt, mate. Right? It's it was, it I was, thought
2: that kind of thing was like much more reduced than than like the Joss Whedon
0: version. There, like I mean, probably was but like it's it's still it's 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 still prevalent throughout.
1: I honestly didn't notice, but I, that side by side comparison that sounds really interesting. Not good. Um, sorry, but sorry, the point I was making. I really like Batfleck's oh, sorry, overall I arc. Didn't. I understand. No, 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 no. It's not your fault. It's actually it's actually Fitz's fault, if anyone's. But Um, (laughs) um, and I like, obviously, I don't know if you guys know what Justice League two and three were meant to be. That's what this movie teases, but, um, and like the real, the story gets nuts. It gets insane. I would have loved to have seen it released in some way and totally break the minds of critics. But, um, this was obviously not meant to be the ending of Batman's story in in this, these movies, but the way that he caps that off with that Martian man under scene, I thought was solid you know him telling him these parents would be proud of him and him finding his humanity in the movie because that's you know everyone hates the batman kills and batman vs superman i like it and i think it makes I, I think this movie does an even better job at justifying it of it actually playing into his character development of like we meet him in BvS and he believes in he doesn't believe in anything he's you know he's a terror you know he's damaged oh. and he has no morality anymore and then he sort of regains that through the sacrifice of superman and the events of this movie I think it's cool. Quick shout out to the scene where Superman gets the black suit. Yeah,
0: hey, what was your highlight of the week?
2: Yeah, Empty Man, um, which is a horror film from um, from last year. It's um out on um, VOD. Um, it's kind of like it kind of like went under the radar a lot because of the whole um, like Disney buying um, what was it? Fox or whatever I don't know. What was the Fox? I don't know. So he was one. Of, it was one of the films. One he was one of the directors. who got like, um, like into that mess kind of. And it was going to be a big release. Uh, but it was going to be a normal theatrical release. But then that happened, and it was like, okay, we'll, we'll just release this like ninety-minute version of the movie on VOD. But then screenings, that screenings, like this two-hour seventeen version performed a lot better. So. They're just like, okay, whatever, we'll let like, you release this. And I mean, it's very, like, it's pretty cool that the studio gave him all this money for this because, like, it's very conceptual, very different kind of um, horror movie. It's, like, um, um, it's very, like, psychological and, like, ambiguous. And um, it's really great. It's, it's just, it, it has this one... Horror set piece kind of thing. It's really simple, but it's like really cool and, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. It's just about like cults and like, um, uh, you know, the psychological becoming real and, um, it's just really interesting and, um, it is scary points as well, which is what you want from a horror movie. But, um, yeah, it's kind of like people are saying it's like, it's gonna be like a cult movie, which it kind of, like it already is on some in some ways, so um,
0: yeah. I'm surprised by the response from it by a lot of people, including you, because like looking at the trailers and the synopsis, it seems very Slender Man, Bye Bye Man type esque, like teen trash. And like, is it in that vein or is it completely different? And the trailers mis-sell it. I
2: think. I think it's different. I think. Yeah, the trailers make it seem like that kind of January horror trash kind of thing. But it has it is doing a lot of different things. I mean it starts with a fifteen it starts with a fifteen minute prologue with none of the main characters in it. I mean one character comes back. And then it's like you know, the there's a lot of ideas in the film. It's basically about like, um there's this thing in the film like thought plus concentration plus time plus flesh or something. It's like all these like ambiguous things happening and the ending really goes in a different direction which I really enjoyed um and like there's not a lot of jump scares or anything like that like it's not that kind of January horror film so yeah it's different I think um but I think some people think it's that even after they watch it so I don't know I guess it's a bit of both I guess I don't know
1: But yeah. See, that right there, was that the chair?
2: Yeah, that was the chair.
1: Oh, my God. Jane, I think it was the chair the whole time. I'm actually going to take that side.
2: Does this mean we get rid of the children, the children law?
0: Or is no, that... absolutely not. That's no, we are have to get rid of that. Okay. We're um, going to actually go to your house and install children to make sure that it can be part of the law.
1: Let me quickly, quickly... Tell you about making their mark? This is an Amazon Prime documentary all about AFL people. Um, I'm almost finished it, and it's it's cool, man. You know, if you're into footy, you're gonna like this, I think you're gonna like the inside look you get. Um, into a bunch of different clubs, and, and the idea is that it follows the club's last year Amazon documentaries. You can just tell that the amount of footage they would get is insane, and the amount of cool, revealing moments you get is really neat. Um, From what I can tell, it seems like the camera crew was just following them around at all times. But you follow them basically as they deal with COVID and the ramifications of that on their family lives and the game and how they ended up having to, you know, move around the country, obviously, last year for that. And it's really interesting. And I really appreciate the choices they make. We follow about six clubs, I think, and they very deliberately choose who we follow in each club. Um we follow a few players, obviously, as you'd imagine, but we follow coaches. We follow um, CEOs um, and a vast array of different perspectives of the hierarchy, you know, of an AFL football club. And I think it's really insightful. Nothing on paper, I don't think that's like, dude, earth-shattering. Like, can you believe the hell AFL clubs and run? They do this. It's like, what? Like, nothing like that. But just seeing it all play out, um, especially how they deal with that COVID situation, it's it's really insightful and interesting If you think that'd be up your alley
0: you don't you're like drive to survive you yeah. know it's, it's a netflix f1 documentary and this, it's pretty much the same thing oh and like you know this new season that dropped it deals with last season which was about like navigating covid and like yeah stuff like that so
1: that's cool it's about um na- navigating co- it's about maneuvering covid
2: yeah right can you let's move on
1: let's move on <laughs> Um as always now we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you for a highlight of the week. That's it, sorry, I almost forgot. Um we asked you what you've been watching. Luke wrote in and said, I've been slowly rewatching the Marvel movies. It's going pretty good and it's nice to get some nostalgia from the earlier movies. He then refused to tell me which film he was up to until I asked and he said Iron Man 2. So he's going very slowly, but I appreciate it. I want to revisit Iron Man 2, because I don't, I watched it once and don't even have an opinion on it, but I know it's, people don't seem to like it. I don't, I don't really know.
2: Um, sorry, I just like it.
1: Did you? So thank you, Luke. Thank you. Let us know. Keep us updated on that one. Andy said, a movie that I watched recently, kind of, was Spike Lee's Inside Man last weekend. That was my highlight of the past two weeks. This was the third Spike Lee film I've ever watched. The other two have been Black Klansmen and Do the Right Thing. For me, this was a hefty and clever crime thriller. Clive Owen's attempt of doing a New York accent just sounds obvious, as you can mostly hear his British accent trying to slip out, but he just puts on an extremely cool performance. He is just natural and fun to watch as a robber. Thank you for bringing up accents, Andy. You know you know what I like. Uh, Denzel deserves a mention too. He plays off Clive really well, but this film was all about Clive. Clive Owen is England's very own Andy Lau from Internal Affairs. There, I've said it. Did I also mention Willem Dafoe was in this movie? No, you didn't. But that's like, hey, that's going to make a movie better. I'm not going to lie. I don't. Know, do you guys get what, Clive Owen is England's very own Andy Lau from Internal Affairs? Am I being um, dumb? Do you see what he's trying to say? Because I don't even know what he's trying to say. I mean,
0: like, I can see what he's really trying. Bad. I'm just, sorry, Andy. He, he, I can see what he's trying to say, but he's. I don't think. He, no, I, I. I don't think that. Mm. Yeah, you know, like he's seen more Andy Lau than I have. I'll let him have that. But what's he trying to say? Well, he's trying to say that Clive Owen plays the same role as Andy Lau does in Infernal Affairs, but that's just not the case.
2: Yeah, it's not. I don't think so. Yeah.
1: We're calling you out here, Andy. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Andy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we disapproved of your final comments, but we appreciate you bringing up the accents. I feel like I want to watch that movie now just for that reason. And Denzel Washington, you can't go wrong, eh? Uh, what? Oh yeah. Hey, we can't do this. <laughs> I didn't even consider this when we asked the question of like, oh yeah. So, what are our highlights of the
0: week? Well, it's okay because we've already got a really long episode. Yeah, you're totally right.
1: Anyway, so uh, sorry about that. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema <sighs> Effect. I guess. Thank you very much for tuning in and sticking by us on this one. Fitzy, what are we watching next week?
2: Godzilla versus Kong. Um, that one is. Did you say
1: Godzilla versus Kong? Did I just
2: see? No, because,
1: so. dude, I'd be down. That could be the sequel, you know. It's like Aliens and uh, what's the other one? They do Predators. Predators, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Godzilla's versus just Kong. Still though, <laughs> The handicap.
2: I mean, there could be the other Godzilla. we were talking about the like mecha character, but um, mm. it's on. Th- it's in theaters, so. Not, not on the streaming service. so service. Yeah.
1: Well, it's on HBO Max if you're in the US, people.
2: Yeah, damn yanks.
1: If, uh, the the, the 1.5 of you that live in the US listening to this. So, yeah. All right, that's it for us. Thanks, everyone. Once again, I appreciate you, Jade and Fitzy, as always, for chatting shit and breaking down the Snyder Cut, as we needed to do for therapy. And, uh, yeah, have a great rest of your week, everyone, and goodbye.